You're listening to the Woman Power Zone podcast with host Ariel Hubbard, empath, energy worker, and massage therapist who shares secrets and stories of women's empowerment, learned from over 32 years of working in holistic healing arts and talking with thousands of women about their amazing life stories. If you are seeking ways to grow, pivot, heal, and up-level your life, you are in the right place. Here is your host, Ariel Hubbard. Welcome to Woman Power Zone. In today's episode, we talk about a serious issue and what you don't know can hurt you. This is our femtech issue. It's about how women's medical data can be used against them. It's something you should know about so you can tell your family and friends. We're talking with our returning guest, cybersecurity professional, Laura Ledoux. Welcome to Woman Power Zone, a safe space for learning, growing, healing, and empowerment. Today, we have a special returning guest, Laura Ledoux. She's a cybersecurity professional. She's going to talk with us about femtech, which is something you may never have heard of. And I wanted her to share about it because it's a really important issue that uh, a lot of us are going to be dealing with today. So welcome, Laura. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. It's great to be here and be back with you folks again. No, I love it. I'm so glad you're back because you gave us some great information about cybersecurity and your former episode. So what is Femtech and why is it why is it something that we need to know about? It's a great question. So the term Femtech was actually first coined back in 2016 by an entrepreneur named Ida Tin. And um, over the past six years or so, it's really grown to encompass a, a broad range of things that really relate to technology enabled and consumer centric products and solutions that are specifically related to women and women's health care. And so femtech now is something that's really taking, you know, launching and getting out at the forefront of technology in general and specifically technology related to women's health. And Femtech specifically provides a lot of different solutions to improve healthcare for women across a number of female specific conditions, including maternal health, menstrual health, pelvic health, and sexual health, fertility, menopause, contraception, uh, other general health conditions that affect women disproportionately or differently such as osteoporosis or cardiovascular disease. And then of course, it also um, affects the transgender community as well. Okay. That sounds like that's gonna be important for a lot of us. So why is is femtech and healthcare privacy so critically important for women in today's marketplace? Because you mentioned privacy. And I mean, I think I know why it's important, but I want to hear what you know, because you know things that a lot of us are not familiar with because of your professional work. Thank you. So women's health rights have always been extremely important and no more important than they are right now in the wake of the Dobbs decision. If you're not familiar with what the Dobbs decision is, it's the one that overturned Roe versus Wade earlier this year. And what that essentially did is it's now allowed each state to create its own laws regarding women's reproductive rights. A lot of the media attention and and even social media has been focused on the Dobbs decision and its effect on abortion rights. But what a lot of the public does not understand is that the Dobbs decision affects privacy rights across the board, but it affects all women's reproductive rights. Hey everybody, if you're loving this show and you want to make a difference, 
please go to Apple Podcast Ratings and give the show a five-star rating. Thanks so much. It's appreciated. There is no federal protection for women's reproductive rights. The Dobbs decision has now left that to each individual state. So state by state, you may have certain rights in X state, and then you move into Y state, and now you no longer have those rights. Like the right to right, right to birth control, as an example. Exactly. And, and that's one thing that, that is affected by the Dobbs decision, because the right to birth control was actually granted by Griswold versus Connecticut, a Supreme Court decision in the 1960s that allowed for, for women to start using contraception. So that opened up you know, the ability for women to start using the pill and diaphragms and other different types of contraception. So all of these rights are wrapped up in that. Wow. That's, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Because these are things that like, you know, some of the people listening to the show, they think, well, I'm past a childbearing age, but they might still be sexually active. right? Right. And they don't want to get pregnant. So this is something that involves People of all ages, whether you want to have kids, whether you don't, you know, just, or, or the right to care, medical care. You, how about women who are getting pregnant? They have complications in their pregnancy. And you and I talked about this in another conversation. They go in for health care. And some of these states are not allowing the mother to get health care because they're prioritizing the fetus over the mother. And a lot of these women could die. And, and then on top of it, you're saying that in some of these states, they're going after women or trying to investigate women to see if they had an intentional miscarriage. Right. So, yeah. So let, let me, let me draw a little bit of a path to that and then we'll dive okay. into that conversation. Right, so right. Most health data or health data that's collected by like a, a healthcare provider, like a hospital or doctor's office or a registered healthcare clinic of some sort is protected by a federal law called HIPAA, which is the healthcare information privacy act. Yeah. HIPAA does not apply to data that is collected by like a a healthcare app that you're using, for example, unless that app is run by a hospital. But let's say you're using like an app to track your menstrual cycle because you want to avoid pregnancy or you want to try to get pregnant. Um, You're using an app to track other different things like, you know, where can you find a, a, a provider to terminate an unwanted pregnancy or those types of things. That data is not protected by HIPAA. That data is protected by whatever state law is in effect with respect to data privacy in general, because we also don't have any federal laws that protect data privacy in general. That is, again, something at this point that is being left to the states. So what that hole in the protection of of femtech data, so femtech encompassing all of these different apps and things that are there to help create a space to give women more control over their healthcare and to give them more information about their healthcare that that relates specifically to the specific, you know, the the unique things that women deal with from a healthcare perspective, including reproductive rights. There's now this hole in that protection. And so what's happening in some of these more aggressive states that have now um, illegalized termination of pregnancy, that includes uh, miscarriages as well. So if they can utilize in any way this data to prove that somebody maybe intentionally miscarried to herbs or some other thing like that, then they can, um, they can 
file criminal charges against those women. I've heard of cases, I was recently at an International Association of Privacy Professionals conference in Austin, where I learned that there are now cases where women actually have defense attorneys in the emergency room with them to protect them if they're having a miscarriage or things like that. I mean, this could even apply to text messages that were exchanged between friends talking about like, oh, I got pregnant and I didn't want this baby or I was raped or, you know, I was the victim of incest because states like Texas don't have any exceptions for rape or incest. You're, that's you're alarming. Still, yeah, that's alarming. And I think Mississippi is, Mississippi is one of them too. Mm -hmm. um, do you know other states that have no exceptions? I can send you that list. So you can put it okay. in the show notes. I don't have it off the top of my head. Oh, no problem. I, I just, it's just something for all of us to be aware of. So like if someone experiences sexual violence and they get pregnant as a result of it, and even if they have a miscarriage and it's not their fault, if they live in those states, you know, there's a chance that someone could come after them with these yes. apps, basically. They don't have privacy protection. Correct. Wow. Wow. Wow, that is a lot to di digest and process. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, and I know, I know the Senate and the House just passed law codifying, right? Or bill, excuse me, passed a bill codifying same-sex and interracial marriage. And then um, President Biden's um, ready to sign that, right? But yes. this doesn't help women with their contraceptive rights or their reproductive rights or their health care, we're, we're still having issues with this because it's not codified. Correct. Oh my gosh. Wow. So we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk about why femtech is important to women's health care generally. And we're going to talk about how you can be proactive with your data privacy. So we're going to take a break. This podcast is sponsored by Hubbard Education Group, creating wellness through education. If you've wanted to learn about being an empath, healing, energy work, consciousness, or massage, we have online and in-person courses for you. Find us on Facebook at Hubbard Education Group. That's Hubbard Education Group. Or go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard, A-R-I-E-L-H-U-B-B-A-R-D. And we're back. Okay, so here we're here with Laura Ledoux. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your education with us, uh, the education you received from going to conferences and all of your many years studying and working with privacy. So we were talking about why femtech is important to women's health care generally. So I'm curious, why is this important? So femtech creates apps and it creates a, a virtual and digital space that improves care delivery with virtual clinics, uh, direct to consumer prescription delivery. I mean, this can include things like the morning after pill, which we also didn't talk about in the context of what we were talking about earlier, but that is also a termination of pregnancy that uh, is encompassed by some of these laws. Um, so, you know, getting getting the morning after pill is not legal in all of these states anymore, which which creates a whole nother legal scenario because the US, United States Postal Service, which delivers that in many cases, is a federal thing. So 
but that's a whole topic of conflict. Right. So you're on an app, right? Yeah. Um, let's say you're on an app and you order a morning after pill, but you live in Texas and it's, it's contracept that that's illegal in Texas. Right. So I believe the morning after pill is illegal in Texas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you try to, you try to order it. And then if someone can prove that you ordered that, they could they could use that information against you. That thing you said about text messages, by the way, was incredible. But yeah. I mean, like even text messages between friends. Yes. Wow. It's so evidence. like it's a so like oh my god. So femtech like could also be like telehealth for women. Well, no, telehealth is usually um, a provider that would be. Uh, would fall under the definition of a provider under HIPAA. So if you're on telehealth with your counselor, your therapist, or your doctor, or an actual clinic, those things would be protected because those are considered providers under HIPAA. Okay. Okay. So we're looking at like apps that are not, they're not under the, the, purview of a, a hospital or a clinic we're looking correct at and and that's for general privacy but yeah. if there is a criminal case against a woman then i believe that some of those protections would fall with respect to data that's even protected by hipaa wow because, yeah so it, it it's really it's very global in its effect and it's very terrifying to be quite honest right so what are the upsides of femtech so the upside of femtech, uh, as I said, it improves care delivery with virtual clinics and direct-to-consumer prescription delivery. It enables self-care through tracking and home diagnostics. It improves diagnostics. Um, okay. It addresses stigmatized topics such as menstrual health, sexual health, and pelvic care. Because women aren't necessarily going to want to talk about that with somebody, so that they, they can on an app. Okay. Um, it delivers culturally sensitive and tailored care to frequently marginalized or neglected communities. It also opens up healthcare and certain types of healthcare that maybe were, weren't able to be physically present in neglected communities. Okay. And it's really been a catalyst for positive changes in healthcare. Okay. But there are a lot of upsides to it. It's just that now with the collapse of Roe versus Wade and, and, you know, the, the collapse of those protections of our privacy, we really need to be more proactive in making sure that we are being vigilant about our own data privacy and security when using femtech apps and things like that. And what kind of conversations we're having over text messages and that type of thing. Okay. So real quick, like at femtech uh, apps aren't necessarily identified as such. So how would someone recognize what a femtech app looks like? Would it be like um, something claiming to help women, like anything regarding reproductive issues or women's health? Would that be? Yeah, I mean, those app? typically fall into femtech. Um, femtech is, is sort of a blanket term that's used, especially like in the financial industry. So, um, you know, if, if femtech companies are looking for funding from investors or angel investors or those types of things, then that's, a, a term that they can use to really identify themselves with that. So for purposes of the end user actually using an app, it doesn't really need to be like, oh, I'm using a femtech app, right? It's not labeled as such. It's not. No, we want to just be vigilant with any kind of 
um, apps that we're talking about sensitive issues and, and being cognizant of what we're doing inside of apps that aren't from our specifically from our healthcare providers. You know, what kind of, like I said, what kind of conversations we're having via text messages yes. and those types of things. Okay. So pay, pay attention to the conversations you're having on these apps and re reminding everyone we're talking about the women's healthcare apps, things like that, where it, we're not necessarily talking about like a conversation you would have in a telehealth with like your doctor. We're talking about the right. apps specifically. Okay. So pay attention to the conversations, right? Especially if you're in a state that doesn't protect women's reproductive rights, right? And so you had some tips. What are your suggestions for people? Um, you can use pseudonyms uh, because like, if it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's not a healthcare app, like through your doctor or clinic or local hospital or that type of thing, oh. they don't need to have your real legal name. You're using that just to track things for your own purposes. So you don't need to use your real name. So you could use a different name. That's great. Yeah, You could use a it. pseudonym and make a made up name, um, have sensitive conversations face-to-face -face orally instead of over text, email apps, basically or even on the written. phone. Yeah. Like, nothing. That's nothing that's written down. Basically, Nothing that's written down or okay. able to be recorded. Okay. Which includes FaceTime, which includes zoom meetings, which includes phone conversations. Those things can be recorded. Wow. You know what? <laughs> I mean, I just didn't even think of that. So thank you. Like anything that could be recorded, don't do it. <laughs> right. Whether it can be recorded in writing or recorded virtually, uh, sound, video, et cetera, like avoid it. Right. And, and then what, what's your other tip? Uh, be aware that deleting data does not make it unavailable to law enforcement. Ooh. So if I go through and delete all my text messages, they're still held by my service provider. So if you're using T-Mobile or whatever, all your text messages are available to law enforcement with a subpoena. Wow. And then don't be tweeting that stuff out, people. Yeah, that, <laughs> oh my God. You know what? Thanks, Ariel. That's a great screenshot. I see so many people posting personal health information on social media. It's not a good idea. Yeah. It, it just like really everyone on your social media account, I'm fairly certain does not need to know what's going on with your personal health. Can you give us an example of something that you've seen? Yeah. So I have a friend who has several different health conditions and she will post ongoing updates about different things going on with her health, specific diagnoses, specific treatment plans. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, I got hit with the Rona, right? And I'm down for the count because now I have COVID. Like, and you're just posting that so people know that you're sick. Like that's one thing, but to get very detailed on those types of, you know, specific diagnoses and treatment plans and providers and that type of thing is really not a good idea. Well, just in general. In general, yeah. Forget about femtech or Dobbs decision or anything else. It's just. I not mean, like if everyone that. in the world knows that you have a serious health condition, you know, insurance companies can use that against you later on to refuse you um, insurance coverage, as an example, like if you had cancer or you had MS or something, you know what I mean? Like, but it also makes you ripe for healthcare identity theft, which is a whole nother podcast that we could do separately. So, <laughs> you know what? And we should, we should. Okay. So healthcare identity theft is the next episode uh, because seriously, I mean, that, 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 that is such a huge thing 
There are people impersonating people who died. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. we can talk about that in another episode, like you, like you said. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're just going to have them stacked up for 2023. <laughs> it's going to be great. We got the whole series set up. And so, um, and then you'd mentioned like an, the, the big tip is, you know, I mean, I know that when there are people that have health issues, sometimes they'll move to another state so they can get medical treatment and another state, um, like when there were parents and their kids were having seizures and they moved to Colorado and they're called the medical refugees because they, they had access to CBD. This is when CBD was first coming out and their kids were having like Charlotte, like Charlotte's web, that product is named. I mean, there's the book and then Charlotte's web is that, that's that, um, that type of CBD, that strain was named after Charlotte who's having all those seizures and they, they gave her the CBD and it got it down and normalized her, but her family had to move to Colorado just to get the access. Yeah. And so your final tip about this is. Well, there's two final tips. So yes, oh. if, if it's if it's so extreme that you have an ongoing health condition that requires ongoing treatment that is not going to be available or is restricted in your state, like definitely consider moving to a state that honors and protects women's reproductive rights and other types of health care that are more controversial. And then also lobby your local lawmakers to enhance data privacy laws, to enhance women's reproductive rights. You know, sign those petitions that come through. Make sure that you're voting. Make sure that you're doing your part to get the right people in office that can push these laws through. And, you know, the things like, like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast that like, you know, same-sex marriage and interracial marriage are now going to be codified. When we codify those at the federal level, we don't have to worry as much about things being overturned. That was part of the problem with the rights that came out of Roe versus Wade is that they were part of the court system and they weren't codified federally. So lobby your lawmakers, vote for the right people to put in office to make these things happen. Right. So and and make phone work. calls because yeah. Because I, I have personal experience with this on and meet with people. I've volunteer your time with you know I local and meet with them if you enough. can, if they'll make a meeting with you, meet with them because every every different offices have different like generalizations, but every phone call represents X number of people, like a thousand people or you know, whatever, three thousand people. So if you make phone calls that your one call, you represent a certain number of people in their minds who are actually concerned about this issue and meeting with them in person, even more so. Yeah. So if you can do that, it's just calling your people and setting up appointments. And I want to talk about this and, you know, it's important and they may or may not do it, but they do log your calls and they right. log requests for meetings. And then they, they tell, you know, the assistance to these these people. And then they tell their bosses like, okay, the, these people called or wanted to meet about X issue. And so if you do that and you get your friends to do that, it, it shows that there's buzz and that there's concern about this. So yeah, and share this podcast with your friends, educate your friends. So many people don't know the, all of the ramifications of this. And when, when privacy uh, protections, like we enjoyed under the Roe versus Wade decision, when those start to fall, they affect everything. They affect search and seizure. If somebody pulls you over in your car, that same, those are privacy rights that flow out of the fourth amendments. There are so many things that are impacted by this decision. 
that uh, help your friends understand that so that, that we can educate people across the board and make sure that privacy protections are in place for all of our citizens. Right. It's not, oh, I don't need an abortion. So why should I right. care about this issue? It's, this is affecting privacy er issues in a lot of areas for a lot of different people and not just women. Right. No, because the Fourth Amendment historically actually was a response to the law in England. So, you know, our we were first founded our country by the English and they don't have that protection in English to in, in England to this day. They don't have the protection that we are afforded in this country by the Fourth Amendment, which means if the cops feel like they need to get into your house because they feel like they have a good enough reason, they can break down your door and enter your so, house. So and just reminding it. everybody, this yeah. amendment has to do with search and seizure. Search and seizure, and that's just been extrapolated to um, to pertain to our physical bodies, right? Men and all humans, regardless of gender identity, right? Yeah. That Fourth Amendment gave us the protection and dominion over our own bodies, but that's its origin. So yeah. if we start rolling that back, that's the extreme case of where we could be headed. Right. So it's important, and I've got chills right now. And ladies, I do hope that you share this with your family and your friends and um, just make them aware. and have people pay attention to what they're doing with their apps. It's important. Laura, I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know you're extremely busy and you have a lot to do today, so I'm going to let you go. And I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Of course, we, it was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. We really appreciate you and, and your wisdom and your knowledge base. So thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Take action. Share the pod, get educated, and pay attention to what's going on with your data. And remember to move with your power and into your magnificence. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Are you suffering from OIS or over it syndrome? OIS commonly affects parents, spouses, executives, and employees alike. Hubbard Health Solutions can reduce symptoms of OIS, such as stress, pain, unease, lethargy, and a general desire to escape. Ariel Hubbard, licensed massage therapist, customizes a treatment plan that addresses these symptoms and will transform you and your body so you feel human again. Contact Ariel by texting 971-319-2618 or go to arielhubbard.com to learn more about Hubbard Health Solutions. That's Ariel, A-R-I-E-L, Hubbard with an A, dot com.